She came up in the summer. I'll never forget it. July 16th of 2012. And I drove her car with her in it all the way from Florida. We pulled in the driveway and my husband said, hi, RFL. And she said, what's that? And he said, roommate for life. (laughs) Hi, everyone. This is the AgeWise Podcast. Your assumptions are going to be turned somewhat upside down. Where we talk about aging well. It's an issue that nobody wants to talk about. And wisely. I was totally unfamiliar with the term caregiver. You really learn what you're capable of. I'm Jana Panaritis. Today's episode is brought to you by Aeroflow Urology. As a caregiver, do you struggle knowing how to even start getting your loved one qualified for urology products? Aeroflow Urology can help. Visit aeroflowurology.com slash agewise or call 888-446-2177. In an article for the Silver Linings column of the New Hampshire Union Leader, writer Roberta Baker wrote about 78-year-old Simone DeRocher, who has Alzheimer's disease and lives with her daughter Kathy and Kathy's husband Ray. The piece was framed as a positive caregiving story, which may be more common than we know, perhaps because we don't hear enough of these kinds of stories. Don't get me wrong, I know from experience that caregiving can bring out the worst in anyone, but I wanted to know the secret to Kathy and Ray's success as a working couple who have a family member living with them who has Alzheimer's. I'm pleased to welcome the daughter of that family member to the show. Kathy McDonald joins us from Candia, New Hampshire. Kathy, welcome to the AgeWise podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's give this some context. Did you grow up in New Hampshire and have you always lived there? Yes, all my life. Born and raised in Manchester, right outside of Candia. I was born and raised. And then when I got married, we moved to Candia, which is about 10 minutes east of Manchester. Okay. And how did you and your husband, Ray, meet? At work. We both worked for the same company. Not in the same store, but we worked for the same company. Now, as I understand it, your mother was working part-time and living in West Palm Beach, Florida, when she made what turned out to be a really smart decision to buy long-term care insurance when she was 65. Was there an event in her life that inspired that, or did what inspired her to do at that age? Because that's a little bit later, isn't it? Yes. She always wanted to go to the warmth, and once all her kids were raised, you know, old enough, uh-huh. she said, okay, I'm moving to Florida. So she went to Florida in 1992. On her own? And she with a boyfriend. Okay. She bought a house on the West Coast in Cape Coral. Uh-huh. They split up. She moved to a condo, and then her friends lived in West Palm Beach, so they asked her to come over to West Palm. So she she left her condo, you know, sealed up for a year and said, if after a year, if I like it in West Palm, I'll sell. And she did. So she sold her condo in Cape Coral and moved to West Palm, and that's where she stayed until she had to come back here. But back to the reason why she bought the long-term care insurance was mm-hmm. not for cognitive impairment, but she bought it, and I remember the day she called me, said, Kathy, Kathy, if I ever get hurt and I need someone to come in the house and take care of me, you never have to come to Florida. She said, I bought a home health care policy, and they will come in the house and take care of me, so you never have to come to Florida, and she knew she didn't want to come up here, and she knew I couldn't go down there because I had a husband and two young kids, wow. so that is why she bought the policy. That and was that so was, considerate. Correct. (laughs) So she bought that in 2005 when she was 65 years old. Mm -hmm. Three years later, she got diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And at the time, my dad, who was still up here in New Hampshire, was 
dying of cancer. So my brother from New York said, I'm going to go down and take care of mom and see what's up. Mm. So when he went down, he met with the insurance and come to find out it was twofold. If she couldn't do two of seven things, if she couldn't dress herself or bathe herself or feed herself, that was where the home health care would come in Mm -hmm. or cognitive impairment. So we were very, very fortunate. It's not why she bought the policy, but we were fortunate that the policy covered that. And how did you become aware that something had changed? What did you observe or hear? When she called and told us that she had been diagnosed with it, I hadn't observed anything at that point. Okay. We were really surprised, actually. And that was in 2008. And she did not show signs till about 2011. And I am extremely close to her. We talked all the time. She spent a lot of summers coming up here for the summer Uh because it was warm. Uh (laughs) And I always would go down and see her in the winter in February for vacation, take the kids with me. So... We were extremely close, and I mean, I know my mother inside and out, and I didn't observe anything. In 2011, which was three years after she got diagnosed, she started to just do things that were not her. You know, she would call me and say, I can't fix my radio, or, you know, I'm on my way to get my oil changed. Can you look up the address? And she had been there a million times. I mean, just things that Mm -hmm. I know her so well. One thing, a friend of hers, who I know very well, happened to call her, and asked how she was doing, and she said, oh, I'm on my way to such and such a place. She says, I won X amount of dollars. All I have to do is send them 800 and I'm going to get all this money. And he's like, Sim, (laughs) turn the car around. What's the saying? If it's too good to be true. And my mother never, never would have fallen for something like that. So she almost got scammed. Fortunately, she did not. But anyway, so 2011, I... getting lots and lots of phone calls and really just could tell she was not as sharp as she had always been and things were going on. So I was going down there every other month for like a long four-day weekend, spending all my vacation, going down to do a honey-to-do list and take Uh care of all these issues. And the funny thing is when I met my husband, we've been married for 35 years now, but when I first met him, he said, my mother, your mother, never, never, never. Okay, so I said, okay. So when my mother started to go through this in 2011, I was looking at assisted living down there in Florida because I knew she couldn't be alone, you know, a whole lot longer. Mm -hmm. I was looking at assisted living up here, which I knew she did not want to come back to New Hampshire, but, you know, it's the only place we could do it up here. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at everything, and my brother kept saying, she needs to be with you. And I said, Donnie, do you want me to get divorced? I said, Ray always (laughs) said, never, never, never. So I wasn't, I didn't even, he goes, just ask. I said, no, I'm not going to ask him because he always, he was up front with me before I married him about this. Mm-hmm. About whether so your mom I, would move in. Right. Yeah, he said, my okay. mother, his mother, never, never, never. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, I didn't even ask and I was starting to really research and I had been to many visits down there and up here. And I came home one day at the end of the year and Ray said, it's time. And I said, it's time for what? He said, it's time to sell your mother's house and put an addition on our house. And I said, wow. I said, why the 180? Uh-huh. And he said, I want my wife at home. Oh. I mean, it was such a smart decision because we added on to our house. So it, it, like we knocked off a doorway in our wall, so mm-hmm. literally opened the door and she's right there. So she gets to feel like she has her privacy mm-hmm. and that, you know, she has her own space. She's not under our foot, but yet it's just a door opening and we're right there. So one of my brothers, my sister and I flew down a Florida and we said mom it's time to sell the house and to put an addition on Kathy's house and she said okay and that really shocked us because 
Yeah. We thought she would never, ever want to do that. But I think she was really, she was at a point where she was scared. She must have been concerned. Exactly. For her to say, okay. I mean, we were all shocked that she said, okay, we thought we were going to have a hard time. But it was at a, the perfect time to do it because she was still cognitive enough to make some decisions and, and give some input. We didn't have to hide from her. She was okay with it. And she was still plenty cognitive. And so... Timing was everything, and it worked out, and, you know, we ended up being so lucky and sold the house fairly quickly for down there. Mm-hmm. She came up in the summer, I'll never forget it, July 16th of 2012, <laughs> and I drove her car with her in it all the way from Florida. And we oh, wow. Pulled, That's a long drive. We pulled in the, yeah, we pulled in the driveway, and my husband said, hi, RFL, and she said, what's that? And he said, roommate for life. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I'm curious to know how the diagnosis was made. No one in the family was aware, it sounds like. You know, it's funny you ask because my brother and I were just talking about that. And I honestly think one of her good friends down there is the one that probably suggested she go see someone. I wasn't seeing her often enough or talking to her that much to even notice anything. But I'm sure one of her friends must have said, you're forgetting some things. Why don't you go to the doctors and get checked? Because like I tell you, I was stunned when she told me because I didn't even know she had a problem. Mm -hmm. And she really didn't Mm -hmm. have it that bad. You know what I think it was now that you say that? No, I don't know. I was going to say, I thought there was some free testing thing like that they were looking at. But when she did try to do that, they said she wasn't a good candidate because she actually had a little bit of bleeding on the brain. But that must have been after she got diagnosed. So I honestly don't know to this day why she even got diagnosed in the first place. It's usually Um, a long three-hour neuropsychological exam where the physician can be comfortable saying, because they're usually so reluctant to diagnose it right away. But what did you know about the disease before this? Not a whole lot. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And after she was diagnosed, my son was in eighth grade and he had to do a big project. Uh And I said, Evan, I said, why don't you do your project on Alzheimer's? So I said, Meme's moving back here. Mm -hmm. She's going to be living with us. And I suggested, why don't you do your project on that, you know, so maybe it'll help us to understand what she's going through. And my husband and I went to the actual (laughs) class when he did the presentation, and we learned a lot from him. Oh, (laughs) wow. That's so funny. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, that was putting your son to good use. So describe the in-law apartment that, as I read it in the article, your mom lives in, and how long did it take to build? And did you put safety features in there? We put it on as an addition to our house, not an in-law apartment, because we couldn't really do, even though part of the paper, I think, said that, but it was really just an addition to our house. There's no stove because we did not want her to be able to cook. We knew down the road she wouldn't be able to, so there's no stove in there. Mm-hmm. There is a sink and a refrigerator, but we wanted to keep it as close to her comfort in Florida as possible. Mm-hmm. And she's the kind of person that she actually still had, I think you call them swatches from the paint store, oh, what yeah. color she right. did her room. Okay, mm-hmm. so she actually still had all of those. She wow. wanted to take all her furniture here, so we went out and got paint to match in her bedroom and her living room, which is a combination living room kitchen now, the same color. So her furniture looks great in there. It's very summery and Mm -hmm. Floridian, Mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. My husband, he had the designer put skylights in so Mm -hmm. she could get as much sun as possible. I mean, he knew she didn't want to come back either, and she loves the sun. It's never warm enough for her, so we really (laughs) tried to make it. She loves her place. She absolutely loves it. Every day she tells me she just feels so comfortable, and it's perfect for her, and she just loves it. So it's basically a combination kitchen-living room together. She has a desk with her computer. Mm -hmm. She has a table where she makes puzzles. 
And then she has her own bedroom with a huge walk-in closet that she's never had in her life. So she <laughs> loves that. And then she has a bathroom. So it's wow. perfect. It's all she needs. <laughs> and she uses a computer? Oh, yeah. We took the internet away because she was starting to go on sites that she probably shouldn't have. And people calling her. One day I caught someone on the phone. I said, what are you doing? And they said, oh, they said I have a virus on my computer. Someone was trying to walk her into doing all this stuff. So. Yeah. She does not have internet, but she plays solitaire, which okay. to me uses your mind, so it's fine. So yeah. she doesn't have internet, but she sits at a computer and plays solitaire when she has some spare time. So. Wow. So what were those first few days like with her so close by all of a sudden? And can you maybe give me an example of a challenge that you faced? Well, she moved back here in July. We started her edition in September, and it was done in October. It was probably done in about six weeks. So she used to come up in the summer. We had a travel trailer, mm-hmm. and she would stay in the travel trailer. But come September, it kind of started to get cold. So my son was gone to college, so she came in and stayed in the house. But it really wasn't challenging or hard at all at first because we were used to having her for the summers anyway. Yeah. But things that have changed, like when she first was here, she'd run to the mailbox and get all the mail. She'd always be online checking her banking account and that mm. kind of stuff. You know, always doing those kind of things. And then as time has gone on, she never gets the mail anymore. All the financial stuff has definitely gone by the wayside. She just, you know, she'll ask me every now and then, am I okay with my money? But all the the responsibilities of those things have just completely gone. She's still physically fine. She still bathes herself, dresses herself. Mm. Physically, she's fine. Her memory loss has definitely declined since she's been here since 2012. Mm-hmm. to the point now where she's maybe minutes that she remembers and then wow. but to talk to her for 5 minutes 10 minutes on the phone you would never know you need to spend time with her yeah. she's ask you the same question over yeah. and over and over again so for a friend to call and talk for 10 minutes you would think she's perfectly fine there's nothing wrong with her you know mm-hmm. so she could still speak fluently she's fine but mm-hmm. when you spend time with her you really see how she lives in the moment because she can't remember minutes ago. Yeah, does she remember things from way far back? Because they say, you know, it's first in, last out. The things that you experience first are the things you remember for the longest. Does she remember stuff from way back? Most stuff. There Uh are some things she doesn't. And part of our presentation when Evan did that at school was this enzyme that eats away at your brain eats away on the right side of your brain and goes all the way up and down around to the back, to the bottom, the left side, Mm -hmm. which... It eats your short term first and mm-hmm. your last term long. Mm-hmm. And that's why people remember from long ago and can't remember two minutes ago. I like that description. But. It's very visual. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we were, we were stunned. He taught us a lot. You know, it was really, it was neat. But yeah, so she, she remembers most stuff, but there are some things she still can't remember from the long term. But yeah. a lot of it she does when we ask her questions. Uh-huh. You know, she'll remember that. Uh-huh. And so what is the typical day like now? I know that you have some caregivers in there. Yep. We have caregivers that come in the morning and make sure she eats her breakfast and takes her morning pills and they play a few games and then they leave and they take her to Easter Seals. She gets there around 1130. So she eats lunch with the people at Easter Seals and she's more in a group environment, mm-hmm. which I really like as opposed to always being one-on-one. So Easter Seals, they have entertainment, they walk all around the building, and in the summer they walk outside, they play games, they do a lot of word search, they go over the news of the day, you know, they do a lot of stuff. And then she comes home and has another caregiver, and this just recently increased. She used to just go to Easter Seals three days a week, all day long, and we had to adjust the schedule and change it. So she goes there, and then she comes home, she has a caregiver, and then if we're not going to be home, 
then I schedule extra caregiving, but mm-hmm. the norm is someone is there till 8.15, and my husband or I or both are always home by then. And, and the nights we spend, you know, we're home, and, and mm-hmm. she spends the nights. She eats a lot earlier than we do. She loves leftovers. So uh-huh. a lot of times <laughs> I cook, and we just put the leftovers in her fridge, and she uh-huh. eats them like the next night or two nights. Does she eat at a different time than you, like just whenever she's yeah. ready? we eat very late. So she's always uh-huh. eating with her caregiver around 5.15, 5.30. But my husband and I, having kids and always being busy in sports, we tend to eat a lot later. But she doesn't mind having the leftovers. If we are home early and we do have an early dinner, then she always eats with us. She'll come over and say, Mom, what do you want to drink? It's either milk or Diet Coke, so it depends what we're eating. Well, what are you eating? Well, we're eating chicken. Oh, well, that's milk, so she'll get her milk and come over. (laughs) (laughs) And then two mornings a week, she goes country line dancing with the caregiver. Bala takes her to the senior center. So, again, she's in a social environment, getting some exercise. So it's really working out well, we think. We we really got a good schedule for her. It's really great that she's embraced going out a little bit, too. I mean, my mom is really content to kind of do her own thing, be with her reading. She's 89, and she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, but I think it's just dementia. She's really a kind of a keep-to-herself person, and she has caregivers that she does stuff with, but she's, she just really resisted the senior center thing. And I think it's yeah. great that your mom embraced that. Right. She has a book that she lives by. This is like her Bible. It's one of those mead at a glance every single day, and she writes everything down, and she lives by this book, but she always has, even before she had Alzheimer's. So when we do the book, we'll do the book for the next two weeks, and she'll write down, I'll tell her, okay, from 8.30 to this time, someone's coming, you're going here, you're going there, whatever. And she'll him and haw and say, why do I need someone? I just, you know, I could be home by myself. Mm -hmm. So when we write the book, she'll him and haw or ask questions, but... When the person is there, they would never know that she's not happy they're there. I mean, uh-huh. and she does enjoy it, the, so, the companionship. But when she thinks about it or when she writes it in her book, she thinks, why do I need this? I don't need this. But yet they come and she really enjoys You hear them laugh, you know, talking. They love being with her. The caregiving place keeps telling me, they said, you know, whenever you ask for extra hours, all her caregivers volunteer because they enjoy being with her because she's really not a lot of work because she still physically can do everything. And she's fun, and she plays games. You know, she plays Scrabble. She plays Uh Rummy Cube. Uh Games that take thinking, and she can do those and play fine. She beats them, you know? Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) And they don't let her win, because I tell them, I say, don't let her win, because if she wins all the time, she's not going to want to play anymore. So, Uh you know, so they try. They try, and sometimes they win, and sometimes she wins. (laughs) Well, I'm sure that for any in-home aide, someone like that is just a dream because there are so many horror stories, you know, of awful clients. I mean, look, it's such a spectrum of clients that you're going to have. Exactly. Yeah. So did it take you a while to find caregivers who were both reliable and a good fit? Did you go through a lot of them? Well, with this long-term care insurance, we have to go through certain licensed facilities, Mm -hmm. if you will. Uh, Agencies. And so, agencies. Yeah, sorry, agencies. Mm -hmm. And um, no, we interviewed Home Instead, and we started with them, and we're still with them and very happy with them. And Easter Seal, she had started going right away when she got here just to give her some activity and get her out of the house doing something in a social environment. So between the two, we're very happy. And like I said, things have progressed over the years. You know, she started Easter Seals one day a week, then it went to two, then it went to three. Caregiving hours were much less, you know, way back in 12 when she moved here compared to what they are now. So mm-hmm. when the time comes and we see things are changing and we need to change the plan, we do. And we, we're at a really good place. More about Kathy's mom, Simone, when we come back from this brief break. Support for the AgeWise podcast comes from Aeroflow Urology. 
Are you spending too much time struggling with insurance companies and doctors to get products for your parent, grandparent, or loved one? Aeroflow Urology helps caregivers like you enjoy more and worry less by helping qualify your loved one for incontinence products through insurance. Aeroflow's assigned continence care specialist works directly with the physician, provider, and patient to ensure your loved one finds the best products suited for their unique needs. To start the conversation, visit aeroflowurology.com slash agewise or call 888-446-2177. Does someone stay with her overnight in the same room? No. Do you have no, to check right her there. in? <laughs> I do. A lot of times I do. A lot of times, you know, I'm going to give you a kiss. I mean, it's almost like having a child again, really. But she's fine. She sleeps fine. And I mean, she knows where I am. I'm right next door. And literally, when I say next door, it's not like next door in a different house. It's right there. So, yeah, right. But there is a door. In the summer, we tend to leave the door open a lot more. But mm-hmm. in the winter, she has her place 72, 74 degrees. We would die. Our house is 66, 68. So. <laughs> Your blood so, is thicker. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So... In the winter, the door is definitely closed, but there's no issues with that right now. I mean, she's not at that point where someone needs to be with her. The only time someone stays with her overnight is if we're not home at all and we have a caregiver overnight because we're gone, Mm -hmm. then that caregiver sleeps on the couch in her living room. So they're right there. But Mm -hmm. on a normal basis, she's not at a point yet where she needs overnight coverage or she needs me sleeping downstairs next to her or vice versa. So Uh that's for right now. That's good. Have you had any scares with her? Has she fallen or woken up in the middle of the night, like confused? That's wow. That's good. I know people say they wander. Your mom doesn't do that? I'd like to think. Not yet. I'd like to think, especially in the winter, she would never wander because she hates the cold, but you never uh-huh. know. I mean, people, they get, sometimes you get to a point. Deterrent yeah. for her, maybe. <laughs> right. So, yeah, no, knock on wood, no wandering yet. But uh-huh. We've been very lucky. There's been really no issues. She feels very loved. She feels very safe. She feels very secure, and she really lets us know it. So it's it's nice, you uh-huh. know. Uh-huh. And you and your husband both work full-time, right? Yes, we do. Wow. Yeah. And he's been a saint. He... You know, we, we kind of help each other because this was definitely a learning curve, um, yeah. you know, to have patience, especially, I think, when it's your mom versus if I was just caregiving for a stranger, mm-hmm. it's not so hard. But when my mother spoke, it was gospel. It was Bible. It's what she said mm. she meant. And mm. I, I found that really hard at the beginning because she would say something and then it would change two minutes later. And that just wasn't her or what I was used to. And so I've learned to take a lot of deep breaths. I've learned to have patience <laughs> mm-hmm. as well as my husband has. I go to as many caregiving meetings that I'm invited to because I feel like it, the more I can learn, the better. Anything I can learn, even one little thing to help me or help us would help. Mm-hmm. But I actually leave these caregiving meetings when I hear other people's stories and I feel, wow, we're lucky mm-hmm. because there are a lot of situations out there where people are not so nice. You know, for an example, there's a lot of elderly that will not shower. When she first yeah. moved here, it was a couple of weeks, and I said, Mom, when's the last time you took a shower? Uh-huh. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So we put her on a schedule. Uh-huh. Twice a week is fine, the doctor said. So on Wednesday and Sunday nights, it's written in her book. Uh-huh. And if it's written in her book, she does it. But there are people that say, you know, my husband or my mom or whatever, they won't shower. They just won't do it. Yeah. My mother lives to please us. 
And wow. what more can you ask for? You yeah, know? not she, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, she gets like almost, you know, a little baby face, baboon face if I get disappointed in her. So, because she just wants to do whatever to make us happy. So, I can't ask for more than that, you know? So, we put her on a schedule, so now she takes her showers. But when I go to these meetings, I hear so many stories that I feel like, oh my goodness, I've got yeah. it made. My mother's happy. She's easygoing. She's content. She does what I ask. It's good. It's all good. Was she um, a difficult mother when you were growing up? I mean, it sounds like she really lived the life that she wanted, but you mentioned that your parents were divorced. so that, Yeah. That... She had a hard life growing up. Her mm-hmm. father was an alcoholic. Her mother was very sickly. Mm-hmm. So as a child, she couldn't do much because she was at home taking care of my grandmother and my grandfather took all the money because he was drinking all the time. Mm -hmm. That did change. And when she turned 18, he stopped drinking. But Hmm. she married my dad, had four young kids by the time she was 23. She was just, they had a horrible relationship. He was a good dad, but not a good husband. Mm -hmm. So then they divorced when I was nine and I'm the oldest. So the others were all younger. And then she did what she had to, to take care of her kids. She's very, very frugal. Mm-hmm. She not saved every penny, but spent every penny on her kids. And then when she turned 40, because she was such a young mom, mm-hmm. and we were all young adults, she said, okay, it's time for me mm-hmm. to do what I want to do for my life. And that's when she had always wanted to go to Florida. And she met a guy who said, I'm go- I want to go to Florida. And she left. And power to her. You know, we didn't need her anymore. And it was time for her to live for herself. So... She did good. So she struggled, but she definitely enjoyed her adult years after 40, and she did a lot of things that were on her bucket list, and she did well. This all sounds too good to be true. (laughs) I know. She was a strict mother. I mean, she was very strict with us. You know, you ate what was on the table. You know, those kind of things back in those days. Uh But um, I think she did a great job raising all four of us because we've all turned out to have good families and good jobs. So, Was there any discussion among your siblings about maybe your mom moving in with one of them or other options up there? The only other option would have been probably my brother in New York, but he is on a farm and always busy and not in the house much. So my other brother, she's not extremely close with. And then my sister still had younger kids at the time. And Mm -hmm. she's a busy girl too. So the best option was always our house, just because her and I have always been so close. Not that she's not close to the other kids, but we just always had a special closeness. And I worry about her. So if she was anywhere else, but, and that's why my husband said, let's put an addition on because my mother could have been two doors down. She could have been in the next town down, or yeah. she could have been in Florida. I'd yeah. still be where she was. Uh-huh. So why not just have her here, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. You're a good daughter. <laughs> well, I, like I said, I'd worry about her if she was anywhere else. My siblings all help me when they can. They do as much as they can do, and anything I ask, they say yes and help me with. But it's just something that I felt I wanted to do, and she was accepting of that. And thanks mm-hmm. to my husband, it was his idea, and and I was stunned and shocked and thankful <laughs> all at the same time. <laughs> so my mom has, as I mentioned, my mom has Alzheimer's, and you know she still holds her own at Scrabble, but she definitely has some short-term memory issues, and she does a lot of repeating. But she has a remarkable amount of self-awareness, and she's pretty matter-of-fact about her sort of diminished mental state. I wonder how your mother views her condition. What's her attitude about herself now? Her attitude is she knows she can't remember anything. Uh I would use the S word, but I won't. (laughs) She'll say, I can't remember, you know. Well, does she really uh, say that? Does she usually use Oh, yeah, she'll say, I can't remember shit. So Uh (laughs) she will say that. Uh But she said the good thing about that is she said, if I'm upset, 
within five minutes, I forgot what I'm upset. I'm not that I'm upset. So she kind of laughs about it, but mm-hmm. sometimes more so mm-hmm. a while ago, not as much now. She would get really frustrated because she just, she just, no, I didn't. I can't remember that. Like she, just, she knows she can't remember what she used to always, you know, be able to remember. So mm-hmm. it gets frustrating. But she's at a point now where she just knows she can't remember, and, and it's not a big deal. And she mm-hmm. kind of laughs, like I said. She'll say, "Hey." You know, if I'm upset, the good thing about it is if I'm upset, I don't remember that I was mad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's always a plus. So you kind of alluded to this earlier, but I wondered if you could maybe expand on how your relationship with your mother has changed over time. The biggest change is that now I'm the mom and she's the child. (laughs) Uh You know, um, yeah. Other than that, nothing has really changed. We're still close, still love each other to death. And like I said, she would do anything just to please me. And I can't ask for more than that. So, I mean, it's just reversing roles, basically. Uh-huh. Um, I am very, very thankful, very, very thankful that this didn't happen when my kids were young because I could yeah. not have given the attention that I did and wanted to with my kids and my mom at the same time because mm-hmm. she takes a lot out of me. So, But my older son's married and, you know, out of the house, and my younger son is a junior in college right now. So... Mm-hmm been okay because my boys were already out of, out of the house so I've got the time to give her but I'm just so thankful that she didn't go through this when the kids were younger because it, it, I couldn't have done it I could mm-hmm. not have done it so what's the hardest part about what you're doing you said it takes she takes a lot out of you what's the hardest part about this well you know the same questions over and over again and, mm-hmm. and the you know mom are you hungry no okay and then I go back on my side, and two minutes later, are we going to eat soon? I mean, you know, it's just, I just asked you if you were hungry, and you said no, you know. And, you know, I like to take her shopping on Sunday. Sunday's our day. We go shopping. But she gets fixated on a question or a an answer to that, and she just asks that same question over and over and over and over again. And it's like, you know, I look forward to taking her and spending the day with her or the couple hours shopping, but... I just get so frustrated because I'm answering the same thing over and over and over again, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, we'll go to a shower and baby shower. Well, you know, how long has Kelly been married? How long has Kelly been married? How long, you know, it's just like, the, ask me some different questions. <laughs> it's just like, uh, how long has Kelly been married? I mean, she just, and she'll do the same thing to my sister. When my sister will take her for a weekend, she'll start with one question and it's the same question over and over again. And you try to um, bring up different conversations to get her off track on that. But as soon as there's silence, she seems to go back to that same question. Mm-hmm. So we find that she's fine when there's activities going on and people around and conversation. But when it's quiet, it's like she almost feels like she has to talk. So mm-hmm. she'll start asking the same thing again, you know. Mm-hmm. So just those kind of things. And, you know, and now it's to the point where when my husband says, hey, let's go out to dinner. It's like, well, wait a minute, what time is it? Do we have a caregiver? Do, you know, we're going to be back in time before they leave. And, and just things that, you know, when it's just you and your husband at home, you don't have to think about that. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> You just go out to dinner. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do you talk about this stuff with your colleagues at work and with friends? With my friends, a lot with my sister about it. My sister and I are extremely close, and we Mm -hmm. talk a lot. Yeah, I do. I mean, I bowl on a team on Monday night, so Monday night's my night out, and Mm -hmm. we talk about it a lot. But it's not so much now anymore because not a lot is changing. (laughs) You know, it's just it was more getting used to back when she first got here, and now it's just the same thing. You know, I mean, I do tell different stories, but it's basically always, you know, kind of the same kind of story. Mm -hmm. How do you think you've changed through this? 
I think I told my husband, I said, when I, when this happens to me, put me in a home because I don't want to put my kids through this. Yeah, I was going to ask you that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I'm getting older as well, so I'm finding myself getting more tired quicker. But, uh-huh. you know, I'm, I'm getting older as well myself. So, uh-huh. but there's people I talk to that say, oh my gosh, to have my mother back again, I'd do anything. So enjoy it as much as you can while you can, because she's not going to be here forever, you know? And I'll know in my heart that we did the best we could for her before she did pass. So I'm fine with everything. I mean, she did a good job taking care of us, raising us, and it's my turn to pay her back, basically is how I feel. Do you see her living with you for the duration now? No. If she gets to a point where, like her sister, my aunt, had Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. and she's a sister of the Holy Cross, Uh and her last probably 10 years, she was in a, um, there's a nursing home or residence living for the sisters, and she was in a wheelchair, had to be fed and everything. And when my mother gets to the point where she needs more 24-hour care, but I promise my siblings, not till she's at a point where she doesn't know who we are or where she is or what's going on. I wouldn't move her till she got to that point, but I think when and if the time comes that she gets to that point, my aunt just passed in April, and I found out that there's fewer and fewer sisters now, mm-hmm. and they said that my mom could go there. It's a very small, quaint residence nursing mm-hmm. home. It's always hot. The care has been awesome there. I visited my aunt there for years and years and years and never walked into a bad experience, so mm-hmm. We feel so blessed to know that when and if the time comes, my mom could go there, I would have no problem putting her there. It's right in Manchester. We know it very well. We know the staff there very well. And it's such a relief to know that when and if she gets to that point, we can put her there and not feel guilty about it at all. Mm -hmm. And how old was your aunt when she died? She was just going to turn 83. 83. Yeah. Okay. And your mom is 78 now, right? Right. Yep. She sounds like she's real stalwart. Yep, she is. <laughs> and, and she's being so well cared for. <laughs> well, I'm doing the best we can. <laughs> you are. You, it sounds like it. So you alluded to this a little earlier in a somewhat sarcastic but truthful way. I'm wondering if you've made any preparations and if you view your own future care differently as a result of this. I'm starting to, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, as I get older and start to realize, well, this is probably going to happen to me. And what do I want to do with my life? Yeah, so my husband and I are starting to talk about that kind of stuff together. And, you know, I don't want him to have to take care of me, and I also don't want my kids to have to take care of me. So so how do you see your future? Does something like this happen to you? I would probably, if they would let me go in where the sisters are, where my aunt was, I'd be more than happy to go there when I get to that Uh point. (laughs) Uh You know, I mean, I'm dreading it. I don't want to, obviously have this disease. Not that I will, but chances are very likely I probably will. But I don't want to not know who my kids are. You know, I don't want them to see me, me not know them. I mean, that just devastates me. And I don't know. I mean, I eventually, you know, I can't prevent it, I guess. I can't do anything about it if it's going to happen, but it just tears me apart. I don't ever want to be like that. But And you have two grown sons. Have they made any overtures about caring for you and Ray down the road? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh-oh. Yeah, well, no, and I, and I don't think I would want them to the more that I'm going through this now with my mom. Really? But who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they could say no now, and then when the time comes, they would absolutely take care of me. I don't know. I mean, they're still pretty young. They're only 21 and 25, so, uh-huh. you know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, but, but it's good that they had the exposure, you know? Exactly. It's probably given some richness and texture to their outlook on aging generally, right? I mean, Right, I, right. I mean, I think and they've seen what I'm going through, so... Yeah. You know, maybe they'll change their mind and say, hey, you know, mom took care of MMA for all this time. You know, it's our duty to take care of her now. But I don't know that I'd want that or if they would. And we haven't got to that point yet. And do you, you and your husband get a chance to go out of town at all or travel at all now? Yeah, yep. Her policy covers respite care. So we just started to use that as well as my sister is my main fallback. Anytime I'll call and say, hey, you know, are you busy this weekend? Can you take mom for the weekend? And she's glad to do it if she can. Mm-hmm. And like in February next month, we're going to St. Martin, my husband and I and my brother oh, in New York is going to have her. Yeah, that's he's going to have her for two weeks out there on the farm. So, you know, they help me out wherever they can. And it's great and much appreciated. So, mm-hmm. Has your mom visited your brother on the farm? And how do you think? Oh, yes. That, okay, so the change of environment won't be too dramatic for her. No, it won't be totally dramatic, but it's still not the comfort of her home now. But no, she's been out to the farm a million times. She's been out there for a long time. And I mean, mm-hmm. she went a lot when she could. And she went last year from February when we went away. So she is very familiar and comfortable with him and knowing of the farm. So it's not a total change or shock. And will you set up caregivers there? Yeah, we actually just did. Yep, we great. just did. <laughs> great, great. Kathy, for folks who are going through something like this with a parent, what words of encouragement can you give them or advice? Maybe sobering advice and words of encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I had the hardest time doing was asking for help. Mm-hmm. And people would say, never be afraid to do that. And I would encourage you as time has gone on, I learned not to be afraid to ask for help. I would encourage people to go and take advantage of all these free caregiving meetings and seminars and whatever, wherever they can go, whenever they can go. Because like I said, I always went in with the attitude, if I can learn just one little thing, it was worth it. And I did. You know, I would learn things about how people made tough situations a little easier or whatever. So anything you can learn that can help you to deal with your specific situation is helpful. Yeah. And just the support, you feel like you know you're not alone. You're not the only one going through this. And there are a lot of people out there that are going through a lot worse than you. So then you don't feel so bad or sorry for yourself, if you will. Mm-hmm. But I mean, everybody's different. It's not for everybody. I just am that kind of a person. I'm nurturing and love the people I love and want to take care of them and do what I can. So, mm-hmm. um, But you've had some memorable experiences with your mom. Has anything surprised you? Not surprised me, but I had to learn to deal with the fact that she isn't the same person that she was. There's this saying out there about two mothers remembered. I don't know if you ever saw it, but it basically mm-hmm. says, you know, she wears the same clothes. She dresses the same. She does her hair the same. She's just not the same mom she was because she's really not. She's Mm -hmm. not the same mom that I had as a mom. Mm -hmm. Now she's the same person wearing that same clothes, doing everything, but yet she's more my child now. So Mm -hmm. it's different. You know, I didn't expect that, but it's definitely happened. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard because she's not that same person. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like you still really enjoy each other's company a lot. Oh, we do. We do. I love her. You know, I love her and I would do anything for her and do the best I can for her. So 
Well, you have yeah. a really positive attitude. I salute that. Well, I well, want to thank let, you. <laughs> I, I'm sure you've worked on it. Yeah, I'm a pretty positive person. I don't like to be negative, and I don't like to be mad, and I don't, you know, I like to be happy. And you know, I worked at a job for 27 years, and I, I loved it. And then a new company brought us out. I wasn't happy anymore. I said, you know what? It's time to move on. Life's too short. I don't want to not be happy. So I try to do things that make me happy and live that way. You know, it's just the way I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's really a good temperament for a caregiver. Do you have any last thoughts that you want to share before we close this out? No, but I wish everyone that deals with a parent with Alzheimer's best of luck and just make the best of it. Do the best you can and have no regrets. We've been speaking with working daughter Kathy McDonald, whose mother, Simone DeRocher, has Alzheimer's disease and lives with Kathy and her husband, Ray, in Candia, New Hampshire. Kathy, thanks so much for being on the AgeWise podcast and for sharing your remarkably positive story. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good one. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, if you like this show, if you're getting something out of it, I want you to tell your friends about it because I want everyone to know you're not alone. Your stories matter and your voices have power. So share this with your friends. Share the love. The AgeWise podcast is produced by me and it's distributed on the nationally syndicated Speak Up Talk radio network. I'm Jana Panaritas. See you next time. And remember, every caregiver has a story. I want to hear yours.